Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Is this America, the land of the free and the home of the brave? Wake up, America, wake up! The political division in the country undeniably deep right now. The big question on a lot of people's minds, can Americans come together and heal? I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. Welcome back to Uncommon Ground. It's the show where we explore what it takes to make meaningful change in a country that is divided as ours is. Back in the 1990s when I met him, my guest today, Scott Butnick, was an aspiring young filmmaker. He was working in the industry. But somebody asked him to volunteer as a creative writing instructor at a juvenile hall. And he said yes. And that simple decision changed his life. Now, today, Scott Budnick is a major film producer. He's got credits on big films like The Hangover and Just Mercy and War Dogs. But he is also an incredible criminal justice advocate who has founded one of the major organizations for criminal justice reform, the Anti-Recidivism Coalition. If you want a great example of somebody who knows how to meet people where they are and then bring them in. Scott Budnick is a great role model. You're going to see what I'm talking about right after this quick break. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Before we get into all the big topics, we just talk a little bit about how you got started along this very original road as a criminal justice activist. I'll be honest, I came out here from Atlanta and just started like grinding in the movie business and working for Todd Phillips, 
on his first movie, Road Trip, and then Old School. And I was here for four years, and I just felt like I was stuck in this bubble of nothingness where every conversation was about a writer, director, actor. Nothing was really real. And I just felt lost. It ultimately took a friend of mine that I was working with on the movie Old School to invite me down to a juvenile hall and say, come be a part of this creative writing class. And Mm -hmm. I went down and met these kids, 14, 15, 16 years old, all facing life. Facing life behind bars with no chance of parole or probation. Yeah. The first kid I met had just been sentenced to 300 years to life in prison. Mm. I asked him, how was his day? And he said it was a bad week. I just got sentenced to 300 years to life in prison. Mm. And I said, what happened? He said, I stood next to my friend who shot the victim in the butt. The victim was in and out of the hospital in a day. And for standing next to the guy with the gun, I have 300 years to life and I'm heading to adult prison. Wow. And I just realized in that, in that moment, Van, like if this was my kid, he'd right. be out on bail. Right. And he would have the best lawyer in LA. And for not shooting a gun, he would have probation. Exactly. But David was going to prison for 300 years to life. And that was just insane. So I committed in that day. I said to them, if you guys are going to keep pushing on, on, on your path of change, I'm in. And I started teaching that class every Saturday in 2004. And I still teach that class every Saturday. Well, you come to LA, it feels like a big, sometimes soulless, endless tangle of streets and neighborhoods that don't make any sense. And you're in your car a bunch. And it's so easy to just focus on your own career, try to get to the next event, try to get to the next pitch opportunity to go that far off road (laughs) from the traditional, I came to Hollywood and made it story. You must have had some initial instinct for justice that must have come to you way before you got into that uh, conversation with that kid. I keep trying to figure all the different parts of it out. Like, Mm -hmm. I definitely was raised by parents who are huge kind of be of service folks, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it. I also remember, and I I can't get to the bottom of this, but I also remember like watching movies in my youth and anytime like injustice or inequality would come up, it would just get my blood boiling. Those -hmm. were the movies that made me cry. Mm. And there was just something inherently that somehow was planted in me that just like pissed me off. Right. And when I was, I don't often tell this story. I actually, my first internship in LA while I was still in college was on the TV show Baywatch, which was a pretty good internship for a college age yeah. <laughs> man. Uh-huh. And the producer of Baywatch gave me an article called Lynching in Malibu about these four boys in Agora Hills that got life without parole for a backyard pot deal gone bad where one of them pulled out a pocket knife and stabbed someone and the other three never touched the knife, but the felony murder rule mm-hmm. sent them to prison for life without parole, even the three that never touched the knife. And that pissed me off so much mm-hmm. that I reached out. I found the families online. I found the kids online. I wrote them in prison from Atlanta after I got home from Baywatch and ended up getting in touch with them. And my first prison visits where before I had any juice, had any anything, I was just going into prison visiting rooms mm. and visiting with these kids and trying to help with this case. Wow. It, whatever became in that case. So three of the four boys have gotten out. Governor Schwarzenegger commuted one of them. Governor Brown commuted another. They went to the parole board. They came home. And just the kid who actually committed that stabbing, Jason, is still in prison. But he's doing incredibly well. I think a lot of people in this community... They want to do more. 
They want to be more and they want to do more. They want to give more, but it just seems impossible. And, you know, you have shown that things that seem impossible are just not impossible uh, if you have enough heart and hustle. Talk a little bit about the ARC, the Anti-Recidivism Coalition. Thanks, Van. And, you know, for all of us, and I'm sure it's the same with you too, it's like we just took the first step, right? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. when you take the first step, maybe it's just show up somewhere and just learn. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's sign a petition or maybe it's just mentor somebody or whatever it may be. But I think once you take that first step, which every single listener here could take, the famous Brian Stevenson quote, getting proximate, right? That first right. step, and then you'll know where to go from there. Your heart will tell you where, mm-hmm. where to go from there. But ARC is is what really changed my life. I just remember sitting on the set of Hangover 3, and we were sitting on a mountaintop in Vegas. We were shooting uh, like the finale of the movie, and we, our call time was four in the afternoon, and we had to shoot the sunrise, so I knew I was going to be there till nine in the morning. And as I'm sitting there from four in the afternoon till nine in the morning, I'm getting multiple calls from young people just getting out. One of them saying, Scott, I'm homeless. I don't know where to go. I just got out. And Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on a mountaintop in Vegas. Should be super happy with all Mm -hmm. the movie stars shooting Hangover 3, but I wish I was there for that kid, right? And it was during Prop 57 and Governor Brown's calling and trying to figure that piece out. And I'm like, I can't show up to this meeting because I'm on a mountaintop in Vegas. When you say Prop 57, what are you talking about? Talking about enormous initiative in California that we all worked on that stopped trying juveniles as adults and also gave incredible rehabilitation credits to folks who were in prison doing the right thing to to get them home to their families. But I'm on this movie set and I should have been loving it. And instead, I'm just pissed off. I can't be there for that kid or I can't be there with the governor to, to go to this meeting. And then I come home and I watch 12 Years a Slave. Oh my God. And I sit in that movie theater and I'm like, okay, I'm sitting here crying. The credits are going. I'm not moving. They're sweeping popcorn. Lights are back on. I'm not moving. And I'm like, I I can't make comedies anymore. Mm. And uh, ultimately went to Todd Phillips after 16 years and said, I need to leave and pursue my passion. And he was just so kind and generous and and always loyal to me. And I left and I took a 90% pay cut and started ARC. And it was the best five years of my life. Just being able to work with people coming out of prison, creating a support group for thousands of people who are coming out to be surrounded by positive peers, providing direct services. So anything from housing to job training, to scholarships, to college, starting the largest construction union program in California for folks coming out a fire camps for the first time. Incarcerated firefighters can now become Cal Fire firefighters when they get out and expunge their records. And then obviously Van what we've worked on together, a lot of the policy change work, Mm -hmm. um, being able to pass 33 bills in California alongside you and Cut 50 and many others, right? And really changing uh, how we incarcerate people and and in fact, decarcerating. And the coolest personal thing was, I told you about David Negretti who had 300 years to life. After we passed Senate Bill 260, which stopped sending juveniles to prison uh, for the rest of their lives, David was reduced to 25 to life from 300 to life. Mm. And then after he graduated college and did some incredible things while he was in there, Governor Brown commuted his sentence and Mm. David came home two months ago. And that's really because of the work of ARC alongside Mm -hmm. you and so many others. That's the thing I I want for this community to understand is trying to figure out how to solve a Rubik's cube all at once is just impossible. You can't do it. You, you turn this one, you turn that, you turn this, you turn that. And over time, you start figuring out 
how you turn one side of the Rubik's cube ball one color, and, two, and then eventually you can get it solved. We hope someday. I just want to say how true that is. How long did it take you and I? I'm sure to just figure this all out. Years. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. Um, I got out of law school in 1993. Mm. Graduated from Yale, moved to the Bay Area, and uh, I was working as a law fellow at a civil rights organization. And those guys worked on a bunch of important issues. They were doing housing discrimination, education discrimination. But at that time, the early 90s, nobody of that stature was really dealing with police reform and juvenile justice reform and criminal justice. It was very much the margin of the margin issues, the steps mm. to it. Because you gotta remember, the Democrats at that time oh. were running, you know, tough on crime, three strikes and you're out, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, back in those days, the way that most Democrats were able to say that they were quote unquote moderate, be super progressive on every issue, the environment, what have you, but then be tough on crime, which meant build more prisons, pass dumber, tougher laws. And these young people were just getting devastated. So here I am, I'm 24 years old, dreadlocks down my shoulders. And I just started to, uh, I built a little hotline to try to take down the names of cops that were doing bad stuff in the neighborhood. And that's literally how it started. And you get one call, you get another call, you get another call. And eventually uh, we built something called the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights. Just had the 25th anniversary this fall and you know, has you know, helped to close five abusive youth prisons and passed a bunch of laws working with you guys and other, other allies. Who knew when I set up that little hotline 25 years ago that it w- would result in a, an organization that you know every year raises and spends six, seven million dollars fighting for justice. It's just taking that first step, as you said. Similarly, uh, when it comes to Hollywood, this town has begun to change in terms of who they put on screens, the stories they're willing to entertain, characters that they're willing to give life to. And you know, you went from doing Hangover 3 to a very, very important and impactful film about Brian Stevenson. Can talk a little bit about Just Mercy. I mean, you know, we all go back so far with Brian and to be able to tell his story alongside Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx and Brie Larson. And I mean, that was just a dream come true. Uh, For me, it was also like the ability to like create like a real, what we call an impact campaign around the film, because Mm -hmm. the whole kind of notion of one community is that when you have a movie studio like Warner Brothers that's spending tens of millions of dollars to distribute a story that basically shows how unfair and unjust and really racist the system can be around the world, like that that's the message mm-hmm. that we need people to see. And to be able to go around and partner with the National Governors Association and screen the movie for mm-hmm. a dozen governors who mm-hmm. control incarceration systems in their states... And then the lights come up and you're able to hand them tissues as the majority of those governors were crying right. after being That's affected right. by the empathy of a film, right? right? And then to talk to them and say, well, what are you willing to do mm. in your state? And then to go to the community organizations who were partnered with in those states and connect them with the governor and run legislation together and be able to bring a Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, and then really wanted to tap into culture, right? And figure out how to engage culture in the policy change piece and created this play for justice initiative with the NBA, where we brought multiple NBA teams into prison and brought Michael B. Jordan down with the Lakers and took Giannis and the Bucks into a 
prison in Racine, Wisconsin for six hours, ended up, Van, something that you have helped with, were able to go screen Just Mercy for the Oklahoma City Thunder in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. which led to a screening for Governor Stitt and the First Lady of Oklahoma, which allowed us to get behind Julius Jones all around a movie. Some people know, some people don't know. When you say Brian Stevenson, I mean, you're talking about, as far as I'm concerned, the moral conscience of our time. Amen. I think that Brian Stevenson, African-American, civil rights lawyer, working to get people off death row, working to awaken the conscience of the country to how far we have to go toward racial reconciliation and justice. The thing about Brian Stevenson, which people don't, I think, appreciate, he's Dr. King and Thurgood Marshall. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Think about that. Brian Stevenson goes into the Supreme Court and wins cases. That's Thurgood Marshall. But he also can go in the pulpit of any church and bring the house down. Ain't that the truth? That's Dr. King. Now, if you put Dr. King in front of the Supreme Court, he can't do it. If you put Thurgood Marshall in front of a black church, he might be able to do it, but he can't do it like Dr. King. You've never had anybody like Brian Stevenson who can do it in front of the Supreme Court what Thurgood Marshall did and can do in front of a church what Dr. King did. He's singular. He has no peer. Can I add one thing to that? Because I couldn't agree more. Right, right. He can also walk into a conference of 400 white investment bankers that don't know anything about the criminal justice system Mm -hmm. and get their buy-in. Right. I mean, you're talking about like literally one of one, but nobody really knew his name outside of justice circles. You know, know, he, Mm -hmm. he did a TED talk that got some attention. It really was you taking that story and, and putting the star power of a Michael B. Jordan and being able to bring it, you know, more out to the world. And then to leverage that, like you said, it's really unbelievable how human all these people are in elective office. You say governor, you say senator, you say representative, you say mayor, you assume that these people are, you know, on some mountaintop someplace. They're walking through the Safeway half the time. <laughs> you know, they, they're on Netflix. They've got kids. They got to watch movies. They look at celebrities the same way that we do. And so to be able to take celebrity power and use it to move political power is something that, you know, has happened in our movement since the days of Harry Belafonte, you know, back right. in, the, in the 60s. But, you know, you're still doing it today. Van, it's so funny. You brought you you brought up a story. They, what really showed me this power mm-hmm. is when we were trying to pass Senate Bill 260, which would have looked at the 6,000 juveniles that were in prison that were sentenced to die in prison and mm-hmm. give them a chance of parole, we were three votes away in the Senate. Because as you know, Van, like the mods in California – like, mm-hmm. it's tough to get them because their constituents aren't there yet. And right, that we need to continue to build that empathy and get that heart and mind change in the Central Valley. And when you say mods, you mean the moderate the Democrats. Mod- the moderate Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. And so we ended up screening a documentary called The House I Live In that Eugene Jarecki did about the drug war. Mm-hmm. And Eugene ended up speaking on the floor of the California Senate in 2013. And then we screened his movie that night. And a lot of the moderate Democrats showed up to the screening, asked questions afterwards, and literally the next day, instead of having 17 votes, we had the 22 votes and we needed 21 to pass the bill. Mm. And it was just that education plus the, the empathy. Sure. We're, we're doing, Van, I think this this will interest you too. We're, we're doing a study with Stanford, with Jennifer Eberhardt, who's this mm-hmm. incredible researcher around racial bias, and her colleague, Jamil Zaki, who's this researcher around empathy, and we're literally hooking electrodes up to people's brains as they watch Just Mercy. 
Hmm. And seeing how the empathy driven content in Just Mercy literally changes their brain matter when wow. they watch it and either reduces racial bias or increases empathy. Mm-hmm. And we've also cut all these vignettes of formerly incarcerated people that have done incredible things. And we're showing them these little 30 second clips and we'll have that research after the top of the year, what That's a story amazing. can do to move somebody and mm-hmm. what celebrities, if used in the right way, who have the heart and care about it, I, I really feel like alongside all the movement leaders and community organizations, that's a that's a that's a mm-hmm. strong mix. Yeah, look, I mean, some people feel like, you know, if you give celebrities attention, it's taking away from grassroots voices. I mean, I've never seen that. What, what I've seen is you have a grassroots leader and grassroots forces that are just getting mowed down, continuing to fight, continuing to, to show up at hearing after hearing, getting ignored, you know, but they, they've got the truth on their side. They can't get any attention. And then one celebrity shows up, and suddenly people start taking those grassroots forces more seriously. And suddenly they start getting real traction. And then you have the people who are not on the court, who are not in the game, who aren't actually trying to win that campaign, who are in the bleachers, who are in the stands, start booing and saying, hey, you know, why are you guys giving celebrities all the attention? You know, you should give the grassroots people attention. Nobody in this campaign is saying that. <laughs> the people in the campaign have been begging for celebrities. They're like, yes, Kim Kardashian, thank yeah. you for elevating what we're trying to do with your 250 million followers. Exactly. I mean, that is a game changer. Game changer. Like, the thing about Kim is literally everything she does is news. So I say if somebody like changes their hair and it's news, do you think it might help for them to actually, you know, talk about one of these people on death row, I tell you, it absolutely does. hundred percent. But people who are not actually deeply involved in moving these campaigns forward and trying to get these bills passed and trying to get people out of prison and trying to get these parole boards to listen, who want to call the balls and strikes about the people who are trying to leverage, I'll leverage anything. I don't care what, uh, you mentioned the, the white finance guys, Republicans, celebrities, Smurfs, uh, skateboarders, anybody, anyone, anyone who is willing to show up and fight for justice, you are welcome to this fight. And we will never get where we need to get if we don't move people who have never thought about this issue or mm-hmm. who don't agree with us. Yeah, yeah. And That's whether it's work. Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. or whether it's Bishop Jakes or sure. whether it's evangelical pastor X, every one of them. God bless anybody that wants to come and fight for justice. I want to get your reaction to a couple of things before we go. One, in California, we have had a lot of success in moving the conversation, moving some, some of the legislation. There's also a bit of a backlash now where people are saying, you guys have gone too far. People are saying the crime rates are up in different places. And it's, it's Scott Budnick's fault. It's Van Jones' fault. It's, it's, the, it's all of these criminal justice advocates' fault. So on the one hand, we get some criticism from the left that we're not pure enough, but they also get criticism from other places. Maybe we've gone too far. How do you respond to that stuff? Listen, I, I'm really focused on, and I, I, I'm in the deep end, Van. Like I'm not, I, I've never met the nonviolent, non-serious. Like I work with young people who are gang members that committed violent crimes mm-hmm. in their youth, right? Mm-hmm. And what you're doing as a hurt traumatized victim of a 15 year old that molds you into a victimizer and you do a horrible act 
as a kid, that doesn't mean that's who you are five years later, 10 years later, 15 years later, et cetera. And in California, you look at the data, the safest person to release from prison Hmm. is someone who committed a violent crime at a young age Hmm. and is going up in front of the parole board and gets home. Those people come back to prison at a less than 1% rate. Whoa, that's Less than a 1% rate. You know, recidivism where 50%, 60%, somewhere around there. Less than 1% of a young person that commits a violent crime. Hmm. Also, Van, it's like we look at people worried about the communities are becoming less safe. It's like when we release someone from prison, how are we helping them heal and how are we helping them flourish? It's like for the last hundred years, we've had incarcerated firefighters risking their life. Some die while incarcerated fighting wildland fires, getting paid a dollar an hour, dollar a day, whatever it may be. And then they get out. And because they have a felony on their record, after they've learned all these skills, after they've saved people's lives, after they've saved homes, because they have a felony on their record, they can't become a firefighter. Right. Just dumb. Just dumb. I mean, how how does that help public safety? Like, (laughs) and so we were able, God bless Governor Brown's soul, we're able to start something called the Ventura Training Center. Well, in partnership with CAL FIRE, we now have a place in Camarillo, California, where we have 80 people at a time, all with felonies on their records, training to become CAL FIRE firefighters and going into CAL FIRE. And last year, we were able to, to pass a bill that now allows them to expunge their record if they served in incarcerated camps, risking their lives to fight fires. But just those, that's one of thousands of nonsensical anti-public safety policies mm-hmm. that just are meant to continue to discriminate and stop someone from changing their life and achieving that success so they can raise their kids not to follow in their footsteps. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, This foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. On the Nintendo Switch system, there's so many worlds you can explore. Like Hyrule, where I can fight enemies and save the kingdom with Link. That sounds adventurous. Or my very own island in Animal Crossing New Horizons, where I can fish whenever I want. Whoa, look at the size of that thing. You can find even more worlds to explore on the Nintendo Switch system. Games rated E to E10+. Games and systems sold separately. When you have nobody telling you anything good Mm. and pretty much everybody in authority telling you that you're bad, you know, you street kid, you gang member, you this, you that, it it has an effect, man. It has an effect. Like you start believing it. And if you're young enough, why wouldn't you? And that damage that we do by labeling people, by saying you are just the worst thing you ever did. Your yesterday 
is so terrible that it trumps every tomorrow you could ever think of. That damage is so severe. And yet, look at how resilient the human spirit is. If you just start giving people the opportunity to prove themselves wrong about themselves, suddenly you begin to see all this genius come out, all this creativity come out, all this humor come out, all this joy come out. And we're wasting genius every day that we don't do that. Van, it's so funny you say that. I had this wild experience after SB260 passed. We went up to Pelican Bay, which is, as you know, the most kind of notorious prison in California, one of the most notorious in the world, where we kept people in solitary confinement for up to 35 years. Mm. And I went up to Pelican Bay to meet with 112 men in the Pelican Bay shoe, which is solitary confinement. And they were escorted in. Two correctional officers each had to escort them in. So there were 30 correctional officers doing escorts. And they put them all in these stand-up cages where you're they're like a human being standing up in a cage. Mm. And we were able to talk to them as a group while they were all standing in their individual cages. And these are the folks that are supposed to be the worst of the worst, right? Mm-hmm. That's how they're labeled. And we're there telling them that this new law passed and they now have should have hope. And I'm going from cage to cage and I get to this man who looks like he's in his 60s. And I'm talking to him about the law and just talking to him as a human being. And he starts crying. Mm. And he says, this is the first day since I've come to prison in 40 years Mm. that I have hope. Mm. And he said, thank you for telling me this. And this old man, the worst of the worst, is crying. He says, I've been in solitary confinement for 30 years. Oh, my God. And I stuck my pinky finger through the hole in the cage and we did this thing called the Pelican Bay Shake, where he sticks his finger through the hole and we shake fingers through the hole in the cage. And he says, not only was today the most hopeful day of my life, but you're the first human being I've touched in 30 years. Wow. That's just torture. And to just think of how little it takes mm. to infuse someone with hope, mm-hmm. to let them know they're more than their worst act, mm-hmm. to bring love to bring optimism, to talk about the future, to talk about all of these things that they could get into positively when they get out, you see it really turn. Well, look, you know, that, that brings me to the last thing I wanted to talk with you about is that the one thing I don't like about the movement for criminal justice reform, which I'm a part of, been a part of when, when it wasn't even really a thing, is that we aren't that great on the alternatives sometimes. Look, I work on two things. I, my, my slogan is green jobs, not jails. Clean energy jobs, not jails. So I work on climate solutions and I work on criminal justice reform. In the climate solution space, we have an alternative to the polluters. You want to burn coal, you want to burn oil, even natural gas. We say we don't like that as much, but we have an alternative. We've got solar panels. We've got wind turbines. We've got electric cars. We've got smart batteries. So in that fight, I can be passionate about what I'm against, but I can also be passionate about what I'm for when I'm talking about climate solutions. On the criminal justice side, I know what I'm against. I think solitary confinement for more than a couple of days is considered torture by the United Nations. 
The idea that we're in the, in the U.S. putting in, people in for a week, a month, a year, a decade, three decades is insane. I'm against solitary confinement. I'm against young people having their lives destroyed when they're 14 years old and believe that they can never be redeemed. I'm against all that. But when I start trying to talk about what I'm for, like what do you actually want? It gets hard because people haven't really spelled that out. But you brought <laughs> forward a proposal here in Southern California where you spelled it out and it wasn't as well received as I would have expected. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of yeah. trying to actually co come up with, with a solution and the community having some concerns? Well, I'll, I'll be honest, that was a, it was a eye-opening experience, right? It, it, it was very simple. It was probably five years ago or more. It was simply like shut down a prison and create something that looks like a community college, right? Mm -hmm. uh, on the same on the same space. Yeah, and instead of instead of incarcerating someone in some barbaric atmosphere, have them be in an atmosphere that's a community college where they're surrounded by mentors and formerly incarcerated individuals that we call credible messengers and therapists and not run by a state correctional system, run by nonprofits, mm -hmm. et cetera. It sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it sounded awesome. And I'll be honest with you, I'd say 90% of community-based organizations were super supportive of the, of the idea, as were you. Um, but you had the fringe mm -hmm. who basically said, oh, Budnick's creating a new prison. Right. Right? And it's just like it was talking to a bunch of people, like you said, who know what they're against but don't know what they're for and don't operate at all in the actual space of changing laws. Like, I know what it's like to go in the legislature and know we need 41 votes mm -hmm. in the assembly and 21 votes in the Senate. And this is what we have to do to actually pass a law that will affect 14,000 people in prison that were supposed to die in prison. When we passed our largest bill to reduce sentences for 14,000 people, we weren't going to pass it unless we got moderate Democrats and Republicans. Right. And we had to go in and meet with the most conservative member of the California Republican caucus, which was Shannon Grove of Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Shannon Grove is an evangelical Christian of Kern County, one of the most conservative areas in California. And... We weren't going to win her on just regular liberal arguments. It right. took bringing her to a prison in her district wow. to get her to vote for mm -hmm. a bill to give an early release to 14,000 people. And it was because we came and talked to her. We sat right. with her. We quoted Bible verses with her. That's we right. brought her into prison. She met a 20-year-old man who had lost all hope because he was sentenced to 200 years to life. And that broke her heart because she's right. a human being. That's right. Right? And it is about mm -hmm. talking to the people that are not always agreeing with you. Did you get her to vote with you? Absolutely. She's, an, she's been an ally since 2015. And, and that's the thing about this issue in particular, and so many others. The whole point of the Uncommon Ground community is you never know who's going to be your ally and who's going to be your adversary until you take that first step. Van, people come out of prison in Sacramento and she buys them clothes. She furnishes their first apartment wow. and no one knows this. That's how much she cares now because yes. it's human. Right. And I think that's really what I want to encourage people to, to focus on and think about. You take that first step. When you 
first showed up for a kid behind bars, you never thought you were going to be passing 30 bills. You never thought you're going to be having some of the biggest stars in the world doing films and make governors cry and getting very conservative Christian legislators to buy uh, blankets for people after they voted for 14,000 people to come up. Like all that stuff sounds totally impossible. It just sounds miraculous. It sounds like a, a Hollywood movie itself, except I've known you and I've watched you do it. And all it was, was me being asked, will you be a guest speaker in this creative writing class? on a Saturday morning in juvenile hall. And all I said was yes. And then I got directions of where to show up, what to wear. And I showed up and I just did it. And I had no clue what I was walking into, knew nothing about the criminal justice system, but I just said yes. We see the beauty of hope. That spirit is so beautiful. Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door. I just love talking to criminal justice advocates. That's my sweet spot. I've been a part of this movement for the vast majority of my life now. And I think my big takeaways from our conversation uh, with Scott Butnick, number one, it's unbelievable how much meeting a single person can change your life. You know, you take that first step into a prison, you take that first step into a, a homeless shelter, take that first step, you know, into a community that you're not familiar with. Your life can take on a completely different direction for the good. And for me, uh, as an African-American man, I was lucky that, you know, my parents were in my life, they, were, they stayed married. Uh, they probably shouldn't have, but they stayed married till the bitter end. And um, I stayed out of trouble, they kept me out of trouble. And I wound up being able to avoid the dragnet. But a lot of people in my peer group were not so fortunate. And so when I go into a prison, I, I see, you know, just literally from horizon to horizon of mostly black men almost in any prison, any state, doesn't matter how few black people there are in the state. I see a lot of people who look like me. Many of them are smarter than I am. They're more fit, they're better looking, they're more entrepreneurial, they're better leaders, but they made a mistake or a bad decision and they didn't have those protective factors to kick in and to give them a break. And so they're just at the boot heel of the system. And when you know that's true, you just can't walk away from the fight. And so I don't know what's true for you. I don't know what calls to your heart. It could be the plight of our sister and brother animal species that are being brutalized in factory farms. It could be the plight of refugees. It could be any number of things. But what I want to encourage you to do is to actually go and, as Brian Stevenson says, get proximate, get proximate, get next to show up, walk in. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have a million dollars in your back pocket. You don't have to know the mayor. You just have to show up. And it's amazing how the adventure then unfolds and you wind up growing so much. You give a lot, but you also get a lot. And I think that whatever that is in your heart, and you know what it is, you, know, you're, you go through your social media feed or whatever, something will grab you and you'll find yourself sharing that or liking that. 
that's giving you a clue. It's giving you a hint about where your heart is. Well, you got to put your body where your heart is and take that first step. And what's key is this. You don't have to stop being a conservative to be a part of this movement. And you don't have to stop being a liberal or a progressive to be a part of this movement. You can just be who you are, just be more committed. Be who you are, just be more passionate about it. Be who you are, but put your body where your heart is. And I guarantee you, you'll find a way to make a much bigger difference than you ever thought or ever, ever expected. And I just really appreciate uh, what Scott Budnick has done, what he is doing. You know, the earth is made of stone, but the world is made of stories. It's made of stories. It's what we tell ourselves about each other, about our planet, about our children, about the next generation that determines how the world functions. And if you are a storyteller, a creative, a filmmaker, a photographer, a dancer, any of the things that fit in that creative world that Scott Butnick comes out of, I encourage you to do the same thing with your art and the platform that your art gives you that he has done. Use it for good. Use it to lift people up, to help people, to be a stand and to find uncommon ground. I'm Van Jones. Uncommon Ground with Van Jones is an Amazon original production. It's produced by Magic Labs Media and Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Adesua Agbanile, Sundus Hassan Noli, and Lindsay Cradwell. Our managing producers are Lauren D. and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for this show is led by Alice Zoe, Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Morais, Chantel Muentes, and Sam Petherbridge. Special thanks to Jana Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, Drew Schwindeman, Eric Carter, Trevor McNeil, Carrie McCarran, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Louie, and Chris Jackman. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Once upon a beat, remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.